Welcome to the Dividend Talk podcast, episode number 18. Our thoughts on Walgreens and Johnson & Johnson's earnings. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dividend Talk. I'm your co-host, Engineer My Freedom, and today I'm joined with European DGI. This is a podcast where we discuss our passion for dividend growth investing with our own unique European flavor. If you're new to our channel, please hit the like and subscribe to us. And check out our previous episodes on YouTube and Spotify and all your other favorite platforms. See you on the inside. Hey, what's going on, EDJ? How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I mean, COVID-19 strikes back. I think it's uh, we're watching our episode two, what's going on in Europe. It's amazing, right? Uh, COVID-19 is spiking again. And I, I saw uh, different countries, lockdowns being proposed again, restaurants being closed. So um, yeah, well, the virus is back again. It was never gone, of course, but now it's hitting the numbers again and getting people um, sick, sad thing but uh, no surprise how about you how are you doing yeah exact same i'm 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 sick of covid19 right now we're we're in level three lockdown in ireland at the moment some parts are on level four which has various restrictions but they're talking about a complete lockdown for another six weeks coming up so oh man i'm just not i'm over it i just wanted to go away already but i think we're in for a, a very very long winter but let's just ignore that for now I'm sure we'll be talking about COVID in, in plenty of our earnings reports and, and, and all, all the rest of it. So is there anything else, maybe of a, a more positive note that kind of sparked your interest? Uh, yeah, uh, well, positive not maybe, but um, if we look at the news of the week, right? People might have been wondering yesterday, so hey, why did uh, Danone drop with 3%? Yeah, and, and everyone knows that Danone is one of those stocks that I find a pretty nice deal this year. But uh, the fun fact is that Mexico started to ban several global brands with their dairy products by not considering them living up to the 100% milk claims or something like that. So um, actually the yogurt from, from Danone there was is being banned at the moment because they were uh, identified as having additional sugars and not meet the minimum requirement of how much milk there should be in the yogurts. So I'm sure that uh, this pushes Danone to uh, upgrade their content there in the product. And I think it just created a nice buying opportunity. It's interesting to see that I would not expect this from a country like Mexico, maybe because I just don't know it well enough. But it's interesting to see that they have such strong policies about the ingredients of milk, as an example. And I, I would actually love more countries to uh, see doing that. I believe that that Danone tries with many of their products to give a healthy choice, but it seems to be not all yet. And Mexico intervened there, so it was nice to see. I think that uh, if it is a three percent uh, drop, that's more than the whole contribution of Mexico to the earnings. So I think that's a buying opportunity again, than uh, presented on on such a nice day. I've got an option outstanding, a, a put option on fifty-two euro uh, with an expiration date in November. So 
yeah, uh, interested to see if this uh, drops further after the earnings next week. Um, but consider me a buyer then. Pretty cool. That, that's no surprise that you'll be buying the no-neighbor. Next week will um, should be interesting, all right. Mm -hmm. but How about yourself? Yeah, for me, this is kind of... Um, from last week, I know we forgot this segment last week, so I'm, I'm kind of reusing old news, so to speak. But what kind of sparked my interest was IBM are, are splitting their company, which I think is quite positive, to be honest with you. Um, they have two companies, one of them, which is IBM, and the second one hasn't got a name. They're, they're calling it Newco at the moment. But they're basically splitting it. Um, IBM will take over the hybrid cloud platform we look after their digital transformations and their technology and then this new company called new newco will look after the it infrastructure so again it kind of makes sense when we were looking at them before i know we analyzed them and and we were wondering what the new ceo was was actually going to do so now we're kind of get getting an idea of the direction that they're they're, they're going towards so certainly interesting and again another one whose earnings that i'm i'm interested in particularly with red hat so I'm excited. I'm, I'm more bullish on them now. I know they've had some some tough times. So this is certainly for me a step in in the right direction. So we'll see. This 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 month is going to be interesting with all the earnings reports, isn't it? It's going to be it's going to be fun fun for us. And and speaking of of, of earnings reports, we've officially declared the 22nd of October dividend day. And I know you're excited about this, and I am as well, but we're planning on having a live podcast. We don't know if we're going to record this or not, but we just want people to join and have a chat with us, and we're going to reflect on on the earnings of a couple of stocks. There's there's a load of stocks next week on Wednesday and Thursday, but particularly you've got Unilever, you've got AT&T, Coca-Cola, you've got Intel, who will be live when we are actually recording, so we can actually look at those yeah. live and, and give our thoughts. So. I'm excited about that. What, what about you? I know you are. Yeah, me too. I, I You know, I lo love talking about stocks. You know, I also love really talking with you about stocks and looking into the earnings. And yeah, I think this is really interesting. 22 October is probably the nicest day for dividend investors. So hence dividend day, if you're listening. And I know, for instance, Phil might be interested and maybe some of the others. Just, just join us. We aim to do this around 10.30 p.m. in the evening um cet time so um i think it's 9 30 in ireland at that moment in time so we try to do it around 9 30 ireland 10 30 the rest of uh proper europe no i'm kidding <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> so if you want to join just ping us on uh, twitter we'll make sure you get an invite uh, and then we'll uh just talk dividends that evening i'm looking forward to it I hope loads of Irish come on now and we can revisit that comment. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> okay, so, but hey, um, talking about earnings, this week was kind of a warm-up week for earnings. Um, I think there were really two interesting companies that shared their earnings, and one in particular, because you're kind of the WBA guy, Walgreens guy uh, on Twitter. So I would really love to uh, hear your reflection on the earnings from this week and what also what it means for your own hypothesis around uh, Walgreens. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was fairly happy with their earnings this week. And I'll, I'll just give some some figures just to, to lead in. So their, their sales actually increased 2% from 
the financial year 2019, which giving the impact that COVID had, and, and I discussed in my blog, was quite impressive. I, I actually expected, expected them to go down a little bit. Their earnings per share was down 20% from last year. The estimated COVID impact on that was $1.06. So, I mean, again, pretty impressive. I, I was expecting earnings to be down at least maybe 30 to 40%. Their operating cash flow was $5.5 billion and their free cash flow was $4.1 billion, which is up slightly actually from, from last year as well. Looking forward, they're a little bit optimistic, so that they are predicting a low single-digit constant currency growth. They're expecting maybe the first half of the year to be quite tough, which, which I also expect, but they're, they're expecting high growth then in, in the second half of the year, maybe 20 to 30%. I'm not so sure. I think that's a little bit more optimistic, um, given the current situation now we're going back into lockdowns and, and we just don't know how long this is going to go on for. So I think that's a little bit optimistic. I, I would imagine it'll be in the, in the maybe in the lower end or even even negative growth next year. I'm not too sure. Um, but I'll just go into the, a little bit about the, the segments, just breaking down by segments. Um, the retail pharma, so the Walgreens section in, in the US, th their sales was up 3% year on year. Or if you look based on quarter uh, quarter four, 2019 and quarter four this year, it was up 3.6%. So you can see that the, the sales were starting to grow coming out of the back end of, of COVID. That's due to improved prescriptions. Um, they've started testing for COVID, so I, I think they've tested over 1 million people in the US and the same in the UK. They've increased their home delivery service in the local pharma, which I believe has had huge uptake, and they weren't so sure. And then their, their online presence has, has increased by 39%, so really, really encouraging from, from the US section. I know that was badly hit in the peak during March and April, so it was, it was nice to see. Moving on to the international section, we've got obviously Boots and their sales were down 11.1%. Now we know Boots have huge retail presence, so they're in train stations, they're in high, you know, high streets, they're pretty much everywhere in, in the UK. And with the UK lockdown, the footfall is, is bound to drop. So I, I'm, I'm not surprised. Actually, I, I think the drop of 11.1% exceeded the board's expectations on this, which just goes to show how much they expected this to to impact our business the, the one good thing with boots and i've noticed this myself because my wife shops there quite a lot is that their online presence is is getting better and better all the time their online sales went up a massive 100 i think 155 percent which is which is exceptional growth um again they've completed COVID tests and they also have a stake in some Chinese pharma store. I think it's, I don't know how to pronounce this, but I'm going to attempt it. I think it's Gouda or something. But they, they have a presence now in 7,500 stores, which is two times the amount since Walgreens investment. So a little bit stuttery in the UK. I think the focus, and, and the CEOs come out and said the focus is going to be on rebuilding that and, and getting that back on, on Pat. But uh, I'm definitely delighted to see their online presence increasing. And, and as I say, I noticed from, from my wife, she's she's shopping online there. And when she shops online, she happens to buy more than if she goes into a shop. So hopefully that's a trend that other people... Kind you of, mean uh, buy more pills when she shops online? Or? Uh, no, they do beauty, their beauty range. So okay. she's, uh, I look, 
my my wife loves to buy lipstick, lips gloss, and all our beauty range. So I think this number seven range, the beauty range, is is pretty big for for boots, and that's what she buys. So hopefully not pills anyway. Not that I know of. But the the last section then is is the pharma wholesale, and and this has been impressive. It's it it just seems to be a machine taking over. It it increased its sales again, but six point five percent year on year, and the growth has particularly been led by Germany and France. So overall, it's been a really, really strong, stronger than expected earnings from from Walgreens. I suppose looking at their priorities, and, and it's nice to see them actually lay out what their priorities were. And it's no surprise to see that they're accelerating their digitalization program. So we can see that with their increased online sales, they're launching new products in the UK for the beauty brand num number seven, which is probably going to cost me money, but so there we are. And um, they're transforming their retail business. So they're really focusing on reducing their costs. So they're, they're closing stores in the UK and in the US. And I know they're on target to close around 200 stores in, in each location um, and are pretty close to, to both. And then they also have this restructuring of global global brands. So. They're getting really big into this personalization. So you have an app and it's personalized and personalized healthcare. And it seemed to have a, a real positive impact in, in the States. And then the last, the last area they're prioritizing is offering new healthcare offerings. So we've seen this with the, the Village MD. Now, I was, I was a little bit disappointed. I was expecting more, more of an up, update on them from, from Village MD. Uh, certainly, I haven't come across across much of it they did mention it um i know that phil regular listener and, and was on our show wrote to them and, and they gave them a nice response to say it isn't their plans and and they haven't actually disclosed it publicly yet but i thought they might give a little bit more information on it but we know it's in the pipeline so look i'm, I'm still happy enough um so as i said overall a strong quarter strong online sales conducting COVID tests, I mean, over 2 million tests in both countries is is pretty impressive. Um, I mean, depending on how long COVID lasts for, I suppose is, is going to be, is, is the real decider on, on these long-term, isn't it? I mean, if we come out of this, if a pandemic lasts 1.5 years, like like they say, we might come out of this on the, the back end of next year and, and hopefully they reach their targets of 20 to 30% growth next year. I'm, I'm not so sure, but I'm I'm still happy with, with the earnings this, this month. So, I mean, it sounds just like uh, a business in trouble, but trying to make the best out of it in, in, in that sense. And, and which business with a large retail presence isn't in trouble, right? Yeah. So, um, it sounds like um, it might actually, for, for Walgreens, if I hear you and if I remember your blog post as well, it might be just actually, in, maybe in the long term, a good thing that it happened because it really triggered them to to wake up, really drive online sales, because you had this all the time, this invis invisible hand of Amazon over the market with pack and everything. And it sounds like now that their transformation is really accelerating. So maybe this is just like a great opportunity for them now to get an online business properly up and running, what they're, what they're proving now. Yeah, and, and I mean, I haven't even mentioned they have partnerships with Adobe and... Microsoft again. This is in their transformation of their retail stores. So they're bringing in the SAP business and allowing them bring it all up into the cloud, to make better decisions. So they're a company that are trying to do the right things now. They they were certainly in decline, 
but they are now coming out of of the the ice age and into the technology world so i look I'm, I'm excited i think they're incredibly undervalued and i see them more as an opportunity yes there's risk but i think the upside outweighs the downside for me so the only recommendation i have for you because i know you own the stock and you would like to probably own more if your wife wife wants to buy the new number seven ask her to to give you uh, that much money that it pays for it on a yearly basis in dividends so i don't know if it's three and a half percent yield and i don't know what it costs 35 dollars such a lipstick i guess yeah so you know uh, how many shares thousand uh, dollars i guess she needs to uh, give you so yeah, that you can the, purchase shares the problem with that is she'll ask me for the thousand dollars first <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least you won't complain that you're you're spending it on uh, investing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that that's that's my outtake on on Walgreens. I'd love to hear other people's outtake. I know on some of the Twitter groups, some people weren't as impressed as I was. So I, I'd love some feedback and and just to get involved on it and just let me know your thoughts. But we'll move on to to Johnson and Johnson, and I believe you did some some digging on these yeah um so i had a look into johnson johnson it's one of those uh, top 10 companies from my portfolio that are tier one so really like a uh, foundational stock for me so i try to always pay some additional attention to, to to those stocks i would say that johnson johnson is just literally like clockwork also this time it, it's amazing how they can do it whether they're whether there is a crisis like COVID 19 or not it's clockwork yeah, it, it almost feels like they have like 10 years ago just already printed all uh, earnings reports up front because they could have done that. It's, it's just <laughs> continuously the same. So uh, maybe just for, for the people that love the numbers, um, they had a total sales of 21.1 billion. Just think about it. It's pretty much 21 billion. Um, they're big. There, so Johnson Johnson is really split up in three verticals, and you need to think uh, about it as a holding. It has more than hundred products, brands, but it it, it clusters it in three uh, verticals. The first one is consumer health sales, and it made approximately in sales three and a half billion. Um, think about Listerine, uh, the mouthwash. That's for instance one of their big products in there. Um, and it, it is approximately 17% of their total sales. But the big vertical there is really pharma with 11.4 billion uh, in sales. So this, uh, pharma, when we talk about that, we talk about immun immunology, uh, oncology, so, so cancer drugs uh, to fight cancer and such. So uh, the pharma part, you can really see that as a competitor to the big pharma boys out there in the world. And then also medical devices, and I think they were number two in the industry when it comes to medical devices, just um, tracking uh, Medtronic there. And their sales was 6.2 billion and amounts to approximately 29, so uh, a third of their uh, total business in sales. What was really interesting to see is that both Europe and the US were increasing sales by 300 million uh, over the last three months. And in LATAM, so Latin America and, and, and APEC and Africa, sales was a little bit declining, but also their share to the whole sales in the group is limited. So if you see where uh, Johnson Johnson earns their money, it's really in the US and Europe. That's, that's really their main driver. It also shows the, um, 
I said the possibility they still have to to really truly global uh, become global. Let's say um, what is um, uh, what was really interesting that if you then talk about pharma, right? So at the, at this fifty four percent of sales, eleven point four billion we said. But um, if you then just look at immunology and oncology, that's already together almost seven billions in sales. So this is really where they earn a third of their sales, all in, in, in those two, two branches of their pharma division. And I think it's good to mention because um, if you then look at it from a, an, uh, where the impact is, it's really there where you need to uh, keep a uh, close eye. And I was really impressed with their drug of Stellara. It has really a strong uptake. 1.9 billion in sales um, and it's really to fight uh, Crohn's disease uh, as an example but also ulcerative colitis if I say it properly and I mean I know someone with Crohn's disease I know how painful it is and and such a drug really uh, helps there so and and there are many people with Crohn's disease so I think this is still um, a blockbuster drug that that is there to stay for years to come um, but they also have a good product, Remphia in psoriasis, which is um, just, I thought, around 200 million, but it's growing quickly. So one of those, uh, it's, it was also nice to see. And then on oncology, again, they have uh, Darzalex and Improvica that you need to keep an eye on as investors. And also there, they were doing pretty well again. So, And what is so interesting about this, that the sales is uh, doing so well, has to do with the fact that we, of course, uh, come out of lockdown situations from quarter two in the year so in quarter three everything started to uh, become a bit better again what i like about um, and maybe this is a little bit about uh, COVID 19 uh, and and here's again and verse wolf had a tweet today about and he was talking a little bit about like how people our, our management is extrapolating the current situation into the future right and you see that really in their guidance as well so they said q1 initial impact on COVID, q2 significant impact q3 stabilization and we have seen that q4 recovery come on fuck it we're all uh going back into a uh, lockdown soon so uh, don't take Johnson Johnson on the word for Q4. No way this is going to happen like that. I mean, I uh, they might take their earnings, but this is just pure bullshit in their uh, in their earnings numbers. So, no way, that's not going to happen. I can't imagine. Anyway, their income statement, and here comes the clockwork, right? Uh, Twenty-one billion in sales, but again, literally sixty sixty-six point nine percent in gross margin uh, gross profit margin. this is insane how can they do this right quarter over quarter uh, uh or sorry year over year compared to last year like like COVID 19 didn't even exist it's it's for me this is so unbelievable that the company can be on the digit uh here um what i can really say is the farmers keeping the profits up uh from a from a profit point of view income point of view medical devices dropped uh 30 percent um in, in in their in their income but pharma really kept up so we are talking here about earnings of one dollar and 33 cents and they also report adjusted earnings of two dot uh two dollar and 20 percent which will be an up uptake of three dot eight percent compared to last year now why is there this big gap again they had i think 
it's about 1.4 billion amortization of intangible assets again so this is typically like there was some delay in um, in some of the trials so they had to amort amortize on that but then they also um, the opium crisis we thought that the 4 billion settlement um, was was settled yeah done around the opium crisis but they had to put an additional 1 billion in the books and that really explains the the differences I hope they will also do a clawback on the bonuses. You know my take on this with management um, uh, here because they also got the bonuses for their sales of, of selling all the opium. I hope they also feel it back in their uh, bonuses. But other than that, it's, it's, it's okay. I could live here in this case with the adjusted earnings, knowing it's a pharma company. Um, yeah. Other news that's probably uh, good to know around Johnson Johnson also from this week was that they were pausing the, the Jensen trials. There was one person there in, in, in the phase three trial, I believe, with the adverse event. And if you have a small sample of who you are testing, then you really need to stop a trial there. This doesn't mean that it stopped and, 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 and terminated. It means like you need to assess what was really happening with this individual and was there really a strong correlation between the intake of the drug and their uh, adverse event so i'm not so worried about that um but we'll, we'll have to hear what they have to say um but what i like about it is that it's not driven by politics science is still ruling in this and this makes me really happy and johnson johnson is doing the, doing the right thing with that so all in all i think they had an excellent quarter for 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 as, as a company um, I'm really impressed by their clockwork again. I consider it a company that I would love to have at a 3% yield, so $135. I'm selling put options on it. One is expiring um, again, actually expired today, so I earned 50 bucks with that. I just bought it five weeks ago. I'm waiting now a little bit for the uh, presidential election to see how that plays out. And after that, I will start selling every month a new put option again, just collect this as dividends from Johnson Johnson until they uh, come to my price. That's it about Johnson Johnson. Yeah, it's. I'm, I'm not surprised, to be honest. As you say, Johnson Johnson, they like clockwork. Great company and top tier for for everyone i'm not surprised either with the medical devices segment it's it's an area where where i work heavily in, so i, I know quite well and um, comparing it to my own company the the figures are quite similar so i'm, I'm not really surprised there but it's it's good that the pharma section is is so strong um, and it doesn't look like it's it's slowing down so look definitely definitely a, a stock that everybody should probably own to be honest with you like you i, I probably want it a little bit cheaper um, I need to get into this options business, to be honest, and and, and puts, but that's uh, another discussion. Yeah. Cool. So maybe um, um, we can go to then to the next session, listeners' questions. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Shall we take the first ones from Phil? He asked, hypothetically, if the current CEO of a company stepped down and you had the choice between the CFO or the CTO to step up as next CEO, who would you choose and why? I mean, that's easy for me. I'm, I'm going to choose the chief technical officer, aren't I? I'm, I'm an engineer. We, we know how to lead companies and innovate. And now, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a really hard choice. And I mean, your background does play a little bit of a role, but it, it does depend on the person as well. I, I don't want to ruin my stock pick later, but 
in in this in this company there was a a finance guy came up actually two finance guys came up and and it's really needed because they need to cut back on r&d spending and these guys know how to like balance the books and, and so to speak so I, I suppose from from an innovation point of view i'd probably go cto but if you're looking to balance books or from a financial point of view i mean the cfos yeah the the honest answer but depends on the person doesn't it i would always choose a cto and have the CFO still there as a CFO, making sure that the books are not cooked. But that, uh, why, why, if if the CFO is already a good bookkeeper, why not keep keep letting him do the best job in the world? I mean, I've seen Peter Voser at the time before Ben van der Burde at Shell. I mean, yeah. And I've seen this more often. CFOs, I think, are good. Maybe sometimes when. You know what? The, what the, my issue is uh, all the time when I see CFO as a CEO, I see them that the numbers are pretty well initially, but then you usually you don't see really product growth anymore, yeah, or or, or portfolio growth. And I rather see a CTO working on the portfolio and a CFO keeping them honest with the money. Yeah. So I would all yeah I would probably always have a bias towards a CTO positive bias. Yeah, but we're two tech guys, so we're we're always going to be biased. Let's, let's be honest, finance guys, well, where I work, are a bit of a pain. So, yes, they are. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're, <laughs> we'll always go. We always go with the tech techies. Yeah, true. Okay, next question then, uh, Danny. Any thoughts on space stocks such as Momentus that's meant to IPO start of twenty twenty one? Uh, honestly, they haven't haven't been much much on my radar. The only thing I know about space uh, is my son wants to be an astronaut, and he knows way more than I do about space. So I I don't know. It's it's not on my radar. I, I don't think space is is on anyone's radar at the moment. So it's it's not something I have much interest in. Yeah, I only know the only space I know is space cake. <laughs> also not too interested in that um, having said that i like virgin galactic really a lot um i could have something like virgin galactic in my mad money portfolio this 10 percent that i allocate there um and and why virgin galactic i think that space tourism might be something that uh, i mean i think i believe that disney should buy virgin galactic as an example and just put the whole Disney brand on top of it and create this Disney experience going into space. And I think this is a business that could be really interesting if they can really commercialize that, that it becomes as expensive as a plane ticket. Wow, I would do it. Yeah, And this is what I see with uh, Virgin Galactic. SpaceX, yeah, if they can get a proper business uh, model out of it, definitely. Uh, but uh, Momentus, I have no clue what it even is. So. Oh, sorry, Danny. Cool. Um, the next question then is from Dividend Newbie, who asks us, how long does it normally take to do a thorough analysis before you feel ready to invest? Wow. That really depends. There are companies that I'm quite familiar with, and then it goes more easier. But I would not advise Dividend Newbie to start reading an annual report of one of those companies because 200 pages on a4 i mean and you don't need that right but i would say typically give yourself a few weeks 
to to analyze it and you don't need to do everything on one day read the news a little bit around it re read some of the statements try some of their products if you can depending on the company that it is but take take few weeks for it really get familiar with the products that they sell their main products and of course for pharma company you don't want to take their uh, oncology drugs but still try to try to get a feeling for the company i think that's the most important besides going into the numbers and and and, and this go 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 to the online shops if you like nike check their shoes uh, ask your kids about uh, how they like the new nikes and such i mean this is for me an important part of analysis to just start to live the the try to live the brand of it yeah good good advice i mean as you said it, it depends on how how well you know the company and if if you are just looking into the figures and you want to analyze from from that perspective it, it can take i don't know for me it could take maybe a couple of weeks to go through so if you want to go through yeah. as you said an annual report is two or three hundred pages long and and you do want to read the, bul the bulk of it um just to understand that annual report and then you need to understand the company's mode what they do how they make money so there's a good, a good bit of work and time that that can go into understanding a business as we kind of said last week don't get too bogged down on on the finer details mm -hmm. you can learn a little bit as you go along just don't invest a huge amount of cash put a little yeah. bit in the game get to know the company and over time you'll, you'll build up build up knowledge Rome, and Rome nice the yeah and the nice thing is when you once you have analyzed such a company and you 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 look after your brains a little bit let's say then this knowledge will stay so for instance i still remember many facts from companies that i analyzed three four years ago and still i still benefit from that knowledge cool dividend wave also had a question for us one growth stock you have on the watch list or have bought and why so th there there is one company on my watch list um called c um c limited so ticker se so they're a global internet company who have pretty much created their own digital ecosystem, a bit like Apple, if, if you get me. Um, they're in three different businesses. So they're in games and digital entertainment, which is massive potential. They have this shoppy e-commerce, which seems to be popping up everywhere that, that I'm looking at. It seems to be just growing and growing. It's relatively new. I think it's four or five years old, but it, it seems to be growing exponentially. And then they've got this digital wallet. I think it's called C Monkey. It used to be called AirPay, and you can integrate that then with with the other two two options. I mean, it is such a big a big like they have a wide range of of things that they do, and and I've only touched on on three of them. I recommend just just reading them. I know Investment Talk had had a tweet, a very in depth tweet about them, and um, Christopher Seifel, I think from Seifel Capital, has has a a really really in-depth summary on them and, and i'll put a link below just to check them out i haven't bought any yet um i, I still struggle with growth stocks i, I know this but this is, is is definitely one that if i was to get involved my, my problem with them is that I, I look at that price in january and look at the price now and it's grown like 300 percent. and in my head have i missed the boat even though i know there's there's way more room to grow i just can't get out of that mindset so they're definitely one that that I'm watching. I, if they take a dip, if they come down a, a bit more, maybe I, I get involved. But I, I'm still reading on them, and 
And and and to answer David Anubi's question, how long has that taken? I'm I'm looking at these the last three or four weeks, and I'm only starting to get to know them. And it's probably going to take me a little bit longer. So that's who I I would recommend checking out. Have Have you got anyone? No, not in particular. I just mentioned Virgin Galactic. I think it's around twenty one dollars, but no, it's for me to. If if I if I would consider it, I did one time a back of the napkin analysis. I would probably look rather at ten or eleven dollar. But there you go again. Yeah, so <laughs> would need to drop fifty percent. So no, nothing in particular. I would. So really, I think growth stocks. If there's one company, I hope that Google has poor earnings. For instance, due to lack of advertising income, I will be a buyer again to to buy some additional Google because Google, I I I, I like as a company. I still think there's a lot of potential for growth. So on a on a down day, I might I might maybe do that. But yeah. Cool. Then the last question we have from Rep Stones is are you buying BP at this level? No. Yeah, it's uh, I'm not either. I have I've enough exposure with, with Royal Dutch Shell. I'm not, I'm not looking to get into any anyone else in that that section or that sector at the moment. So I'm not buying. I I believe I believe they're at a good price and and they stack mm -hmm. up quite well. But I'm I'm not as familiar with them. And to be honest, I, I'm I'm happy I'm happy with, with Royal Dutch Shell at the moment. So I'm I'm not buying them. But I can I can see the attraction. Yeah, same here. Cool. Good. So let's go to the. Thanks, by the way, everyone, for asking these questions. And uh, as you know, we always enjoy uh, answering them. I hope also that you found our answers valuable and that they help you a little bit in your own research or decisions that you would like to make. Having said that, stock picks of the week. Do you have one? Yeah. So so again, like last week, it's it's not really a recommendation to buy. It's it's a company that I am in the middle of writing a blog post for. So I'm in, I'm in the middle of, of researching them. And it's it's Intel. I kind of alluded to them on Twitter during the week that I, I feel like they're undervalued. And that's just from running basic dividend um, discount models and dividend cash flow models. And from a valuation point of view, they certainly look on the cheap side. Um, and that's what kind of intrigued my interest in them. And, and just doing some interest on them. I know they've had some struggles with the um, seven nanometer chip and it's been delayed, but they are a company that's in transition. They're moving from a more PC centric to a, a data centric business, which presents challenges, no doubt. But I do like some of the acquisitions that they make. I've mentioned to you before we started the show, like I'm really happy with Mobileye. I know they overpaid for it, but in this low interest environment, you can afford to overpay a small bit. And, and you can you can make it up quite easily and they've also uh, acquired a company in the programmable uh, programmable logic device maker Altera I think they're called which again I think was it was a very shrewd shrewd acquisition so they're making some good moves they, they are in transition and I think the stock price is, is fair and the drop was justified but I still think that I still think they are on the cheap side, and as a long-term prospect, looking at their cash flows and, and dividend and payout ratios, all points in the direction of of buying them. I'm I'm not at a decision-making step yet, so I'm I'm still in the middle of of researching them. But I should have that blog post out after the roundings next Thursday, and I'll have a decision by then. 
Nice, interesting. I'm really looking forward for your blog post. I remember I enjoyed very much also your Royal Dutch Shell one, Walgreens. So looking forward. Thank you. So moving on to, to you, what's your stock pick for the week? So I've not particularly as you like a stock pick this time, but I just wanted to mention that I bought some realty income this week. Not my normal monthly purchase amount, but I had a feeling like, okay, you know, there are so many stocks, but I actually don't want to buy before the earnings. I typically want to wait until after earnings. And, and this is interesting, right? Because you don't know if it goes up or down afterwards. But I rather have a confirmation that earnings were well and then buy pay a little bit more than then um suddenly get surprised with negative earnings. And if I can wait a week, I wait a week. However, I also want to keep consistent with buying stocks. And for me, realty income, I felt like okay, around sixty dollars, that's a fair value kind of uh, uh place. So I just bought few. Um again, here this means do your own more ho or own homework because with realty income there is something of course real retail space that they rent so it's really about rent collection but i feel pretty comfortable with this stock and that will be my stock pick of the week very good and, and don't forget we have the presidential election in 18 or so days so this is right in the middle of right after earnings so expect some volatility oh yeah i'm looking i mean we should i think it's the first tuesday of november right third of november yeah so we shouldn't have a dividend day but just like uh, we should do a u.s election day and 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 just sitting popcorn and then the day after watch the markets respond just just i think this this will be one of those days with a uh, with 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 this election there we will we it will be firework like guaranteed so it will be cnn on popcorn watching yeah, I, I'll be in Italy at that stage, so I can't actually enjoy it. But I think you should do that. That would be that would be fun, provided you are allowed to go to Italy. Yeah, well, as it stands there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this brings us to the end of the show. Thanks, thanks, EMF again. Uh, like always, a pleasure. Thanks also to all the listeners and also for the ones that brought in the questions. It's really great to um, uh, to have your engagement. And yeah, let us know whether you're interested to join us on Dividend Day, upcoming Thursday, 10.30 p.m. Central Europe time, 9.30 p.m. Ireland. Hashtag Dividend Day. Let's get it trending. <laughs> okay, guys. <laughs> have, have a good day. Cheers. See you. Bye-bye.